0: м <смех> м <смех>
1: Dimachi Sinwama, welcome to the one-year anniversary episode of Good Ancestors and Local Treasures with Corrine Pierce. You just heard a shakehead song from um, Thomas Brown and a Lem Pomo Elder, who was actually a special guest on our February show. Anna Ana Day. I am your host, Kashi Corrine Pierce. Some of you have been listening to Good Ancestors and Local Treasures for a whole year, Um, and some of you are new. So this morning, I'm going to take a little bit of time, a little extra time that I don't usually take to introduce myself. Uh, Some of you know who I am, and some of you don't. Uh, A lot of people know parts of me and not other parts. (laughs) Um, So I'm just going to let you know who I am. I'm a local Pomo basket weaver with 36 years of dedication to mastering the art of weaving. I'm a traditional artist, herbalist, dancer, cultural educator, and historical events teller, also known as a storyteller with ancestry from Lake and Mendocino County tribes. I have taught classes focused on uses of native plants, land stewardship, and fire ecology, as well as basket weaving and traditional ecological knowledge, now known as tech, for over 25 years. I have consulted as an expert for multiple agencies and tribes in the restoration and care of native habitat. I have been featured in numerous news articles, art galleries, and museum exhibits all over the United States, including the Young Museum of Fine Art in San Francisco, the Cloverdale History Center and Museum, the Freehand Gallery in Los Angeles, the Native American Gallery and Fruitlands Museum in Harvard, Um, the Middletown Art Center in Middletown, California, and most recently, the Grace Hudson Museum Museum in Ukiah. I was a guest presenter at the 40th Annual EcoFarm Conference and the 2021 Regenerate Holistic Land Management Conference. I am the author of the Pomo of Pomo Cradle Baskets, an introduction, and a contributor to the booklet Native Plants Used by Native Pomos. I'm currently working on my second book about Pomo Cradle Basket Weaving. I was featured in the PBS program Craft in America California episode. I have the honor of being a 2020 Jennifer Easton Community Spirit Lifetime Achievement Award recipient, as well as a 2020 inaugural Loose Indigenous Knowledge Fellow. I was featured in the 2020-2021 California Indian Conference Teaching and Learning Exhibit titled California American Indian Culture and Arts Pedagogy. In November, I was named the 2021 Arts Champion of Mendocino by the Mendocino County Board of Supervisors. I am the curator of the current Earth, Sky and Everything in Between Contemporary Native Art exhibit that's happening now through October in Middletown Art Center. I am also the newest member of the Art Center Ukiah Board of Directors. I have worked as the cultural educator coordinator between local tribes and the Ukiah School District since 2019. I continue to teach, consult, and weave in my community. In May of 2022, I had the honor to lecture and teach at Stanford University about pomo basketry and culture. This is where I'm from. This is where I'm coming from. I love my people and my community is what fuels my passion and drive. I'm excited that you're joining me this morning. Thank you for letting me share some of that with you. Um, And thank you for taking a closer look at some amazing people, places, and events that make our home in Mendocino, Lake, and Sonoma Counties unique and rich. I'm grateful to have the opportunity to share some of my personal heroes and friends who happen to be some of the most influential movers and shakers in our local indigenous community and beyond. Kadeed Dawal Majid. Happy Labor Day. I hope you have something wonderful planned in celebration of your well-earned people's holiday. I love Labor Day. (laughs) I think it's an amazing holiday. A lot of holidays are religious, and this one is not. This one uh, was fought for by American people, and uh, people died for this holiday. So when I was driving down here this morning and I saw... um, Lots of little kids putting the flags on the side of the road. I, I love that. I love flags. I think that they're wonderful. Um, I'm excited to be celebrating that with you this morning. I have an amazing guest. I'm so excited, but I I don't want to skip ahead, so I'm gonna I'm gonna follow my timeline here. Welcome to our one year anniversary show. Yay! in september of 2021 when i started good ancestors and local treasures i did it with the intention of highlighting the brilliant people that i admire in my indigenous community and the amazing things that they were accomplishing my goal was to share that with a larger community that often overlooks native ingenuity over the last year i have had the honor to share 25 gifted guests with you all indigenous artists poets, authors, innovators, elders, tribal historians, weavers, cultural revitalizers, mental health advocates, teenage filmmakers, and culture bearers have all been a part of this program over the last year, and I have been most grateful for the opportunity to introduce them. It has been an honor to share with the larger community, my community, in this way. Yahweh, thank you for listening and learning alongside with me. I'm excited to introduce today's guest. Today's guest, it's an honor to be joined a second time by the amazing Mio Marufo. Mio was a guest on our very first show in September of 2021 where she was joined by Dr. Sherry Smith-Ferry of the Dry Creek Pomo and Robert Geary of the Elem Pomo to discuss their involvement in the Jules Tavernier and the Elem Pomo exhibit that was at the Met in, the, in New York at the time and then came to the De Young Fine Art Museum in San Francisco. This morning, Mio will be our first and only guest Since her visit with us last year on the inaugural episode of Good Ancestors and Local Treasures with Corrine Pierce, Mio has been doing such amazing things that we are going to need the entire hour just to catch up with this groundbreaking and inspirational matriarch. This is only our second show featuring just one guest. The first was in May when I was joined by a wonderful artist and weaver and culture bearer named Martina Morgan of the Kashaya Pomo tribe. We had a great time chatting and discussing things that we're passionate about. I lovingly refer to it as the Tea Time with Auntie episode. I have a wonderful and hopeful feeling that today's show is going to be like that. So get your tea brewed. Find a cool and comfy spot to relax and get ready to hear about the amazing things that Mio Marufo has been getting done this year. Before we get to Mio, I would like to mention another guest that was on our show in October of 2021. Bernadette Smith, who is working to revitalize cultural use, cultivation, and protection of tan oak trees in her traditional Kashaya territory, will be hosting an acorn festival, which we are all very excited about. Um, Restoration of culture is an amazing thing, and this is a, a big deal. So the acorn festival is going to be November 5th at the Point Arena Air Base. Uh, Bernadette sent me, uh, before she came on the show, a contemporary song that she calls the Keshaya Acorn Song. It speaks to our connection to the sacred oak trees and the acorns. Uh, it has elders speaking the Keshaya language in the song, and then um, it's really a, kind of a story, and I'm going to play that for you now, and then when we come back from that song... Uh, We will be with Mio, and that's exciting. So, here you go, everybody. Let me get this going for you. This is how I love my family. They can depend on me. I honor them. this gift to the next generation. Yeah, we, this is how I honor creator for the blessing of the acorn. I <laughs> Oh, I always listen to that and it makes me cry. So now I'm ready to talk after that. Um, welcome, Mio, yeah, we for being here. I'm so excited that you're here again, and I'm really excited to hear the backstories of all the amazing things that you have been doing. Um, I know you. I know a lot of people know you really well. Uh, but I would love you could give a little bit of background of who you are and then we'll jump into talking about this amazing exhibit, Sinwama, Sinthamana.
0: Good morning, back to you. Um, so, my name is Mio Marufo. I am Eastern Pomo from the Robinson Rancheria. I work for giddyville Rancheria as the environmental director. Likewise, um, let's see here, I'm a Central California, uh, U.S. EPA representative, uh, Environmental Protection Agency, and I'm currently the California State Representative for the National Tribal Caucus for US EPA. Um, I'm an artist. I dabble here and there. I weave the occasional basket. Um, yeah, I'm me.
1: <laughs> Yay for you. Um- I love you. I think that you're amazing. And I, I said last year, <laughs> when you came on, that when I grow up, I want to be Mio. I still feel that. <laughs> I'm still a year later feeling like, when I grow up, I want to be Mio. Because she's she dabbles, but her dabbles are perfection so we all uh our our goal is to dabble as well as you do um before we talk about the exhibit and where that came from i want to talk about um you posted something on facebook a while ago and you were at the i think you were at the epa conference and you guys switched it from being spoken to to being included in the circle um that's a big thing so one of the things i want to talk to you about today because we both are aiming for that goal is representation and inclusion in everything that we do um can you tell me the story about how that happened where you let's say you were being you where were you at when that happened
0: so i was attending the uh national tribal operations committee for u.s epa And it's when the different regional representatives, so we're here in region nine, we have four representatives. Region nine has California, Arizona, Nevada, and Navajo. And we, along with the rest of the 10 regions, go to Washington DC to meet with the EPA administrator. And then we also meet with the program officers or the media divisions. So air, water, land, and we were uh, meeting in what they call the fishbowl. And it's basically this just big cement room (laughs) that has a bunch of windows. And how they had it set up was that the EPA offices were sitting in the front of the room with a large screen behind them. And we were sitting at individual tables, um, basically listening to their presentation. And it pissed me off because we were there as regions to engage. We were there to, to talk with them and to go back and forth about what is needed in Indian country. So I went to the chairman at the time and I said, we need to change these tables around. And he like, what? And I said, we need to move them. I said, because right now we're listening to them. We're not engaging. And we need to move these tables into a circle so that we are all on the same playing field. I said, I don't want to sit here all day and just listen to their presentations. I have questions. And I want to make sure that they're hearing me. And I want to look across the table at them, not to them. And so we, uh, he called a short break and he said, Hey, we're going to move these tables around. We want to form a circle. And so we're sitting there and we're moving the tables around and getting up and everybody's kind of, you know, the EPA people are kind of looking crazy at us and they're saying, "Oh, Oh, you know, they're just kind of, they're fed up with it. And I asked one of the EPA people, I said, do you know why we're moving these tables around? And he looked at me and he goes, because you want to. And I said, okay. I said, I I get that, you know. And so I went back over to the chairman and I said, I would like to explain why we're moving these tables around to them when we come back from break. He's like, okay. And so when we got back from break, we're sitting there and the office of water was just uncomfortable as all get out and you can see it in my post they're, they're sitting there with their you know before they were all at ease because they had the power and then when they came back and they saw those tables they were like oh no now we got to talk to these <laughs> you know i mean some of the offices are really good to work with some of them take a take a moment you know but i i was telling them i said the reason why we move these tables is because we want to engage with you. We are here representing the 10 different regions in the Indian country, and we want to make sure that you hear us as well as us hear you. And so it, it really changed the rest of the, the meeting. I'm not saying, I oh, I, I did that or anything. I think it was just one step needed to break that barrier.
1: Oh, I I completely agree with you. I am a big advocate of sitting in circle. <laughs> Even when I every room I come into, I'm like, "Why aren't we in a circle? We should be in a circle." I'm I'm so happy that you do what you do. I feel like we are all in better hands with you representing us there and and making sure that um everyone's voice is being heard so yahweh thank you for that and i i love that post so i was like i need everybody to know that mio is kicking booty and taking names all over the country um all right so i'm going to get to my exciting part here so friday night was the opening of gathering time pomo art during the pandemic and it was really beautiful the the exhibit is beautiful the event was beautiful everyone that came to the event looked beautiful it was like um it was like our own Met Gala really going on there when everybody was coming out in their beautiful traditional dresses. It really I I wished that I had a microphone and I was like, Who are you wearing? I myself was wearing an original Martina Morgan <laughs> finished that same day. <laughs> you were wearing the most beautiful acorn dress with a basket pattern on the bottom. But it the whole thing was beautiful. And I um I would like you to take as much time as you want to talk about how gathering time came to be the beautiful exhibit that it is now. So how did it start?
0: So I was approached about almost a year and a half ago, I think. And, um, David Burton and Alyssa Bog approached me and, and, we were, you know, just at the beginning, not even the beginning, more like a year into the pandemic, because the pandemic is still here. Um, and David was like, hey, we've never had an all-Pomo art show. We would like you to guest curate one for us. And I was like, Me? That's the first My first inclination was What do I know But he said You know your community You know people And you have done the guest curating With the DeYoung And some curating over in Placerville um, In the Miwok-Maidy territory And you know You work with the museum all the time And I said Absolutely I'll do it You know And it took us a couple of months of talking back and forth and to really hone out the idea of what we wanted to do or what I wanted to do, basically. And I kept thinking and I kept thinking and I started thinking about all the amazing things that I've seen happen during these past couple of years. Um, Just the way people have stepped up the way artists have stepped up the classes online the classes in mass the classes you know the the way the artists have been sharing their art as a means of hope as a means of you know trying to keep our people going and i know my focus on my art has been that way um i my colors have become brighter my themes are a little more thoughtful i think um and i wanted to highlight that i'm also part of the poma weaver society and i saw all the classes happening there and all of the fine-tuning and just the excitement of having this time to really just kind of hone down and leave even though we were not able to gather together uh for many things um being a national tribal caucus member one of the things also is that i asked everybody how they were doing and what i found out is that so many tribes were being just hit really hard from the pandemic and just so many losses and they weren't able to gather just like us And I'm going to try not to get emotional here. (laughs) Um, So I thought, you know what? We need to highlight what's been going on with the pandemic because it's a revisit on historical trauma. Um, it's It's a story of survival. Not just our story. We're just one facet of it. But all of our stories. And so I pitched the idea of Homo art in the time of pandemic, and originally we were talking about um, calling it hope and resilience. Um, but then we started really talking about it, and Alyssa is really good at kind of pulling my thoughts out. I think every meeting I had with her, I cried. <laughs> it was it was yeah every every single one, um, and finally we came upon the name of Gathering Pine which to me represents everything that went missing during the pandemic. We weren't able to gather for our losses. We weren't able to gather for our joys. We weren't able to gather together for materials. We weren't able to gather for ceremony. And I, you know, as the restrictions started lifting, we need to gather. Let's gather together. Let's gather our art and show them that, show not only our people but everybody that we're here to gather this time and because it's precious to us. And so that's where the, uh, the theme came from. And it's been, it's been really, really fun to decide the different aspects of gathering time. The show is called Gathering Time Pomo Art during the during the pandemic, and there's different areas in it. There's uh, there's different types of art. There's two D. There's traditional art. There's basketry. There's fine line drawing, painting. There's regalia making. You know. There's A stone carver or a bead maker actually he's not a stone carver there's an abalone jewelry maker there and so many of them are cross media it's amazing that you pull these art from these people and they're cross media
1: um i would like to read their names if i could absolutely i was hoping you would i i turned my uh, flyer over so i could see all their names but i would love for you to um, mention them I am excited to be One of the artists and I was super excited That I had family members That were also included so that was just Wonderful and I'd love for you to read all the Names and if you want To um, say who You know where they're from and the art That was included that would be wonderful As well Okay um,
0: So Corinne Pierce is One of the artists <laughs> Um, She's from Redwood Valley, but you're from more than Redwood Valley. Um, You have basketry in there. You also let us borrow one of Robin's pieces for it. Um, And the baby cradles. It's interesting because I think of baby cradles and basketry a little bit different. Um, But. There is a baby cradle wall and, and art from, from the youth of Pummel country kind of uh, represented. Um, Eric Wilder is from Kashaya, Stewart's Point Ratchery of Kashaya Pummel. And he is represented with this fine line drawing. Uh, I always call him a fine line drawer. I, I tease him with it mercis- mercif- Leslie.
1: His detail uh, is something yeah. else. His I've him and my sister Jacqueline. Their art is actually very similar, um, with the OCD and the million extreme detail, a million lines per page. Just I um, they are both actually in the exhibit over in Middletown, and their art is right next to each other, and they're so complementary with the fine oh, the fine work that he does. That that berry basket that you have is just tremendous. I'm, I'm so glad that he was in there.
0: Yeah. Well, if you look in his, uh, culture is still alive, I believe is what it's called. Um, if you look in the tree, it's got all kinds of hidden objects in there.
1: I'll yeah, be going right back belief. on Wednesday.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, he also did a lot of PSAs during the pandemic for, I believe, Hopland, um, of wash your hands and um, taking care of yourself and taking care of your elders. Donna Ramirez, she's from Cloverdale Rancheria. She's in there with her. She actually has oil, acrylic, and watercolor, and one of her beadwork pieces that she did during the pandemic classes
1: so did i read correctly that she just she just learned to do two-dimensional art during the pandemic is that what her her she didn't no she learned how to do i believe it's the watercolor okay that was amazing that watercolor took my breath away i i fear watercolors i'm not good with them and that was so beautiful and that she just recently learned it blew my mind away that was that was just amazing i can't wait to see everything again
0: yeah um katie williams elliot put in one of her baby baskets but she also put in her photography of little pomo children um she does calendar almost every year and raises money she sells the calendars to raise money for the youth education group at hoplin and. Um, she does these beautiful pictures of these little ones in their baby baskets and i asked her to please put them in because i wanted to highlight them i i just love them because they're they're hope right there um oh katie's from hoplin sorry vince brown is in he is from redwood valley he is a magnesite bead maker which um, is the traditional form of pomo money, uh, often referred to as pomo gold. And um, I asked him to be in it to show, not necessarily to show people how it's processed, but to show what our traditional monies are and our, our wealth.
1: All right, uh, I wanna, um, I'm going to do a station ID real quick, but I want to share something about the uh, magnesite. Though so in our language, it's called po, and it sort of translates to gold. Um, but I think when I talk about it, I really compare it more to platinum because our clamshells are a lot like gold and uh, our abalone pendants are a lot like silver. So just for the sake of comparison, I often say that... Although Po means gold in Pomo. It's more like platinum. And uh, something that I, I really like to share, because a lot of people don't know this and they should, is that Pomo got their name because of that magnesite bead. There is a village, one village in Potter Valley. There are several there, but one of the names of the village was Pomo. And Mo means hole so what the name of the village pomo meant was that it was the magnesite quarry it was the hole that they dug the magnesite from and that's where the name pomo came from and they applied it to all of us and i often wonder why (laughs) did they they just applied it to all of us that loved magnesite or did it have because our languages weren't really like, Kashai is so different from Eastern, and Eastern's different from Central, and Northern's different from, you know, so I I always wonder that, but uh, I always want people to know that, because people ask me, where did the name Pomo come from? And it, it came from one village in Potter Valley called Pomo, named after the beautiful Magnesite. Uh, You're listening to KZYX, Philo, 90.7 FM, KZYZ, Willits and Ukiah, 91.5 FM, and Fort Bragg at 88.1 FM. We also live stream at KZYZ kzyx.org. We are here talking to Mio Marufo, and we're talking about the artists that are in her current art exhibit at the Grace Hudson Museum, Gathering Time, Pomo Art During the Pandemic. Who was next, Mio? Clover
0: <laughs> Galato is in. He's from Cloverdale Rancheria, and he is has a beautiful uh, work basket And one fine twine, but he also has some miniatures, uh, quail work in, um, yeah, I, I love his work baskets. I'm like, please let me put your work baskets up. And he's like, really? And I go, they're beautiful. I love work baskets. Open twine is my thing. Um, I just, I love not necessarily the simplicity of it, but I love the twists and the turns and, you can see all the twine work. You can see, you know, you have to know what you're doing when you do fine twine or, uh, open twine. Um, Robin Mealy is from the Federated Indians of Great Rancheria. She has a baby cradle in. She has a couple of her, um, or one of her uh, photos of her daughter leaving, and she also did your skirt that's in there. Um, there's a section on regalia and a, uh, what I call the roundhouse section, which we could talk about later. Um, Rachel Smith Ferry is in there with her loom work. Um, I just was so impressed with her loom work. Uh, when we were going to go to the De Young Museum for the opening of the Jules Tavonier, she started playing around with. Um, I guess they're almost like pashminas because they're larger than scarves, they're wraps. And she started incorporating pommel basket designs into them. And she just did such a beautiful job. Um, I unfortunately didn't get to go to the opening because I was just getting over being sick, but um, I love that shawl. And I just love the way she incorporated. And to me, it really shows contemporary fusion. Um, in textile design. Martina Morgan from Kashaya, Stewart's Point Rancheria, she is in. She has um, baby baskets and she also has um, challenges from the Pomo Weaver Society. There is a a display case that has a lot of the different challenges that the Pomo Weaver Society did throughout the past two years and we were able to Uh, Feature some of hers in there. Um, Clint McKay from Dry Creek Ranch is in. He is a basket weaver. He's an exceptional basket weaver. Um, I I really consider Clint and Silver and you my my coil heroes. Um, (laughs) But you guys are all cross media. So he also has one of his
1: abalone pieces in there. Um, those pine nuts were I could not take my eyes off of them I'm just going to stand here and stare at this necklace all night and then he walked in and was wearing an equally beautiful piece on his person I was like oh what do I do what do I do
0: (laughs) yeah well you hit him up and find out where he's (laughs) selling those pieces because he doesn't make them too too often um, those really larger pieces um but he does, he does make them and sell them occasionally. Um, Robert Geary from Elam Indian Colony is in with his regalia. Um, these are pieces that were on showing at the Jules Tavonier exhibit at the De Young and the Met. What we did was we brought them over to show the women's top knot but also to show the uh, male headdress back piece fully with the horns, something that at the Tavernier exhibit, they didn't show the horns together with it. And um, he was like, can I put the horns on? Do you have a case big enough? And I'm like, absolutely, we will make this work. And some of those pieces that he created were not done during the pandemic Um, what they were done is the ones that he made during the pandemic are currently being danced. And these pieces were made uh, for the Tavonier exhibit. And right after they come off of the exhibit, they'll be danced too. So they haven't been danced yet. And um, when you see them and you see the perfection of them, they want to be danced but he's also cross media and he has a painting that he did of his son in there too. Um, the next person is Patricia Franklin. Uh, she is from Scotts Valley Rancheria and I think, um, we all very much love her. Um, she's over oh, Patty. <laughs> nice- <laughs> yeah. She's one of the nice people that I know. Actually, um, a lot of these people on this list are that I'm reading. And, and the reason why I chose them was um, not to exclude any artists that are happening now, but more of I wanted to highlight those who have been so active in the community and they've been taking classes or they've been teaching classes. They've been helping people cope in our community. And I wanted to highlight them. Patty Franklin is one of those people. Her her calm her calm demeanor and just working with the kids. Um, just yeah, she has basketry in, and she has one of her dance dresses in. I would like to note that she made that dance dress to fit that mannequin. And that is not typical pomo size.
1: I did notice that. It, that dress is so beautiful. It is, uh, it is It is a couture dress. That I, I wasn't sure if it was a one-piece. Um, I'm going to have to get on the treadmill for a year in order to fit that dress someday. Hopes. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's a beautiful yellow. And uh, I can't wait to talk about the roundhouse section. So I'll let you finish with the artist's
0: uh bonnie lockhart is next and she is from sherwood valley rancheria um she also is from pinoli bill many of our people are enrolled in one but they are from multiple tribes and um the enrollment is not our decision it's what was put on us um you can't enroll in more than one tribe um But Bonnie Lockhart is from Sherwood Valley Rancheria. And she has her paintings in Um, beautiful landscapes. She also did the title wall. Um, That was originally uh, a project that me and her did. She did the background of it and I did the front of it. Um, And we sent it out. Uh, these cards with masks, and it was the NCO, the North Coast Opportunities Mask Up Project. And um, we did two cards. We did one of a uh, a male dancer with a beach background, and we did one of the female masking up the child. Um, And then inside of each of those cards, it says, your elders would do anything for you, do this for them. And then one has the people in your bubble. The other one has how many, how to mask up properly, how to wear a mask properly. And I did want to say that we
1: sent out over 4,000 of those. I actually remember that I, I had to stop by your office to pick up Manzanita berries. And I remember the mailman coming in with a hand truck. And saying, can I come back later to get the rest of the... That was a huge project that you had going on. And I was so glad that I got one of those. I got one of those for everybody in my family. And to see it bigger than life. And to know that you guys both made it right there. I was stalking Bonnie on Facebook with her day one through day eight of painting that thing. And that was amazing. Um, And I I do want to say, I... I am colorblind, but I had noticed and didn't say anything about your colors getting much brighter. Like the painting, the colors that you made during the pandemic were so bright and beautiful. And I, I'm glad you said something because I doubt my perception of color a lot of the time. So I'm glad I was right. Yay for me. <laughs> you, were, you were absolutely right. You were absolutely right. Um, the,
0: the last artist and not the least is Laura Ainong. She is from Round Valley, um, Federated Tribes of Round Valley Ranch Reservation, excuse me, and then Covalo, as we call it. Um, she wrote a beautiful poem for her dad during the pandemic. And I mean, not to air her personal business, because she, she has talked about it. Both her parents got COVID, and one of her parents did not make it. And she wrote this, sorry, she wrote this beautiful poem for him and I wanted to highlight it. And she's like, really, me? And I go, you know what, Laura? I said, the poems that you've been writing and the way you express yourself is an art. And I would love for people to see that portion of us because they see our regalia, they see our baskets, but the painting and the idea of, of expression through words is not really correlated with pomos very often. And so I put that poem in because it represented a lot, and we can talk about that more in the roundhouse area, um, but we have uh, about 11 tribes represented. And we have most of all the Pomo regions represented from Lake County to Valley, to Southern, to coast. Um, and I was really proud of the the fact that we got this really good mix and this kind of cross media of the delights of Pomo country.
1: <laughs> I think it's amazing. And I, I just wanna mention, so when I was putting together the exhibit in Middletown, It really made me laugh because almost everyone that has art, like when like traditional contemporary art paintings, photograph, they also had something else. (laughs) Like almost Mm -hmm. every basket weaver in the exhibit in Middletown also has something else in there because we're I think um, art is life. For us, it's an expression of life. I, I did want to mention uh, Laura's father, um, the poem that she wrote about him. He was, he was such a wonderful man. And yeah. I, I want to say something about it, and it's going to make me cry. Um, so he took a cradle basket class with me. He took a lot of classes with me, actually. He was very supportive. And um, when he passed away, he actually left funds. For me to teach a basket class in his honor. And that was very, very powerful. And everybody was crying. <laughs> like, we were all crying when it was happening. And, um, But that was healing. Like, a lot of the stuff that I see in your exhibit that was made during the pandemic is our own healing process. Yeah. And you're getting to share it. Um, so that was amazing he was amazing I was so glad I talked to her there actually at the exhibit and she said the same thing she was like I can't believe that you guys wanted the you know that Mia wanted the poetry here I was like it was amazing it was in her poem was in the Native News um, yeah. magazine News Native yeah California. News from Native California it, it's a very very amazing poem and um, everyone should go and see that exhibit it's extremely powerful um, you didn't mention what you have your stuff in there oh.
0: yeah um sometimes i feel like i have a little bit too much stuff in there <laughs> but um i have um a regalia piece in the roundhouse area or what i call the roundhouse area um i have finger doodles uh which are my digital art um and then i have some beadwork
1: in you say it like it's not astounding. <laughs> so everyone, go in and look at what she casually refers to as beadwork, and it's a set of these—it's uh, uh, four four different necklaces, and they're they're big um, of native birds. And Mio's depiction of native animals and basketry is on point. I don't I don't think that there's anyone else that can. Uh, represent both of those things in such a true way the way you represent plants the way you represent animals the way you represent birds all together are amazing so you have a quail you have a meadow lark um you have a a, a, a jay oh my gosh they are they were stunning i know that when you were making those everyone i saw your the comments on it was like i want those i need those every single one of them and you weren't even halfway done i mean some of them were just the sketch and they're like yeah. i want it so it was her work is amazing and your your skirt the green it is green right <laughs> okay yeah. the green skirt um with the tule skirt overlay that was amazing um we don't have a lot of time, but I would love for you to talk about um, the roundhouse section right in the heart of the gallery. And if we can talk about the panels that are coming up so everybody knows not to miss those. So where okay. did you get the inspiration? It's so amazing. Everybody just go and look at this. Um i doubt many of you have been in a roundhouse but a roundhouse is uh, usually a, like our our church our gathering community place where we hold ceremonies and it's oftentimes subterranean made with large wood slabs it's like being in a basket um and Mio did a great job making a fire that gave off no heat and and representing <laughs> our dancer. so tell me tell me where that came from
0: So, I didn't do the great job. I came up with the idea. Denver Tuttle and Pete Castro actually made that roundhouse. They they put my idea and brought it to fruition. Um, The idea of the roundhouse was to originally have that place of acknowledgement. I started calling some of the tribes to ask because I wanted to list all of the people that we lost. And during these, during the pandemic, <clears throat> and I started calling the tribes and I realized that I couldn't do it. I was having too hard of a time with it. Um,
1: I think also in reality, um, we, our tribal community was so hard hit by COVID. And I actually had someone ask me why. And the simplest answer that I can give is that uh, these are disparages in our community. We don't have the best health because we don't have the best healthcare. Our average lifespan is 57. Uh, It's 53 for Native American men. So we don't have always have the greatest health and that's because we don't have the best food always we don't have the best health care always um i (laughs) gosh i cannot use i've lost more people than fit on both my fingers you know all 10 of my fingers i've lost so many people i know people that have lost 80 people from their tribal communities. So we were very hard hit, and I think if you had listed those, it would have looked something like the Vietnam Memorial Wall. There's so many people in our counties that we've lost, elders, young people, not even old people in their 20s and their 30s. It's been really hard. I, my heart aches for you that you began that project because I, I think you cry as much as I do. And I, I would have still been crying thinking about that right now. So I'm. Yeah. What was your yeah, alternative called, for that?
0: Well, when I called Big Valley and they said 25, and I just was like, okay, can't do this. Um, not because I didn't want to list all the people that passed during, but because it was so overwhelming, and I didn't want people hunting and searching for names. And I didn't want to invade any privacy, but what I wanted to do was acknowledge that. And so what we came up with was uh, we did the roundhouse wall. Like I said, Denver and Pete did an awesome job with that. They really uh, helped me bring what I I wanted because I, I gave them the idea and I was like, I bet you can't do this, but this is what I want. And they were like, oh, we can do this, you know. Um, and we, uh, I was talking with Silver Galato, and he had purchased um, regalia from JoJo Birmingham uh, a long time ago. Uh, JoJo Birmingham was a regalia maker, uh, was a dancer, and was a major part of the community, especially in the valley, but also in the lake in Sonoma. And many of the women and young men that you see with orange, black and white headgear or orange, black and white in their regalia is from him. Um, and so Silver said, I have some work by Jojo. And I said, you know what? That would be perfect to, to have that, that male dancer. And I used some of the regalia that I have made to um, kind of offset it. And also um, a flicker band that uh, Bob Geary had made for uh, my son to, to make that. And Denver brought in this fire because I was like, I wish there was a way we could flicker in the lights. And he was like, I happen to know somebody who does tech and they have a fireplace. And it was like, perfect.
1: Yeah, my, my seven-year-old twin nephews were most impressed by that fire. <laughs> they, they couldn't look away. It was it was amazing. I, I did not know that. I did not know that that was JoJo stuff, and I'm crying right now. Um, that's yeah. amazing, Neo. You did a, such an amazing job, and I'm so honored that to be a part of that exhibit. And I put... I put six baskets in there, and I thought that was a lot. I'm feeling like, I'm like, oh, I put too much stuff. But then when I realized they're so small, did, <laughs> they actually didn't seem like too much. like, it's just the right amount. Um, I'm so grateful. I want to say uh, thank you to you for doing that exhibit. I know how hard it is to um, stand out sometimes and how heavy it can be to lift people up, although it's so rewarding. Um, yeah, we love you <laughs> like, all of everybody that you named in that exhibit times a hundred we all love you and respect you and the work that you do um, we are running out of time so I'm going to actually start a song but is there a place that they can uh, look for these panels these amazing there's a Um, drawing, painting, photography panel, there's uh, painting stories, there's an acorn day, a basket weaver's panel, a lot of stuff going all the way through January. Is there somewhere that they can find that information? The best place would be to come to the museum and grab a card
0: and look at the exhibit. Um, That way you can familiarize yourself with the different artists. The other place would be at the Grace Hudson um, website. Grace Hudson Museum dot org, I believe it
1: is. Awesome. Um, yeah. I don't. I actually don't have it. It's not. It is not. Oh, it is. GraceHudsonMuseum.org. Perfect. All right. Thank you so much, Mio, for joining me this morning. I can't wait to have you on another show where we can have tea time with Auntie again. Um, I also I want to mention something that's coming up, which is the Earth, Sky, and Everything in Between conversation with artists panel happening Thursday, September fifteenth, uh, from six thirty to eight thirty, and that's Zoom or in Middletown.